Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, more COVID-19 by the numbers. Also, the V-Team takes a look at the condition of our doctors. And Mike Hubbard's definitely going to jail. Sometime. With quiet, dignity, and grace. Quietly? <laughs> I doubt it. More like screaming like a baby. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by investigative reporter and columnist for APR, Josh Moon. Welcome, Josh. Hey, nice to be here, or you know, where I am and y'all over there. That's nice. Yeah, and Susan Britt, associate editor at APR and research guru extraordinaire, and my Thank wife you. and partner. Yeah. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Uh, we're all taping from home. We're self-distancing. Uh, Susan and I live together, so this is as safe a distance as I can get. Uh, <laughs> but we're glad to have Josh with us today. Uh, crazy as it is, uh, Friday morning in the middle of the COVID-19 outbreak, mm -hmm. the Alabama Supreme Court, in all its wisdom, finally, after a year, ruled on Mike Hubbard's appeal. Yes. So Susan, Mike Hubbard is going to jail at some point, but there's a lot of details that we need to cover about Mike Hubbard, former Speaker of the House, who was originally convicted on 12 counts of using his office for personal gain and, and various things that violated the very ethics codes that he helped to champion and write. So here we are today with Mike Hubbard, finally, at the end of his appeals. At the end of his appeals, we're also, we're nearing the anniversary of his conviction, which will be four years in June. It's right. been a while now. Right. Now, the, the court upheld uh, counts 6, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Now, they remanded uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 23 back to the Court of uh, Criminal Appeals. Right. Now, what that basically means is that those counts that, they confirmed still hold a four-year sentence in prison for Mr. Hubbard and 16 years probation. But Josh, the Court of Criminal Appeals, or what I like to call the Criminal Court of Appeals, yes. they have to now rule, reconsider what the Supreme Court has said they got wrong in the first place. I mean, I don't know how that works out. Well, I'm going to assume, given the uh, <clears throat> the timelines that we've been working off of, uh, that they'll get around to that in probably uh, 2025 or so. <laughs> uh, in which case, there'll be another appeal up to the Supreme Court for those uh, for that decision, which will be heard around 2029. And Mike Hubbard is scheduled to start prison sometime around 2035. Uh, yeah, it's it. Look, it, it's 
the absurdity is, I, I think I said uh, on Twitter today, if we wanted to uh, solve Alabama's prison overcrowding problem, the best way we could do it is treat every uh, convicted felon the way we treated Mike Hubbard. We wouldn't have anybody in prison. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's a joke the way this has gone about. This has gone down, and and no no ordinary citizen, black, white, or other, would be treated like this. No, uh, no. You know, he wouldn't be allowed to to do the things that he has done since he was convicted. Uh, he wouldn't be out of prison for this amount of time. There wouldn't be this amount of thought put into this thing. Uh, and really, if you look at that at that ruling, it's another joke from the Alabama Supreme Court, which had become a joke uh, in in all of its opinions of late. Well, and the 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 good news and the bad news. The good news is is that they they confirmed on these counts, which means that this guy at some point will go to prison for cheating the people of Alabama. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. The ones that they upheld are regarding APCI ingenuity, uh, the Robert Abrams with the city holdings where they took him before Greg Canfield, where he took him before the governor, and where he used his facilities to be able to help get Abrams a patent. The ones that they sent back were the ones that were dealing with the principal. And we've all been suspecting that's what's going to happen all along. Well, and, and, and this is the whole thing, Josh and Susan, you both know it. They have never wanted to see one of their own go to jail. Mm -hmm. They did not want, and especially this principles thing, because the principles yes. involve some very powerful men who are, are power players in the state. Uh, this is since day one, lawyers, mm -hmm. independent lawyers, and a crowd of politicians have been working in the background to make sure that this conviction on principles did not stand. Uh, yeah. this, is, this is a political fact. Yeah, you got uh, Will Brook, James Holbrook, Jimmy Rain, and Robert Burton. Those are the principles yeah. that they're talking about right. in this. Right. And yeah. Josh, they just did not want these power players to even be tainted by this Hubbard conviction. Yeah, and you know, I I've always thought here, and um, you know, I, I've been I've been critical of Jimmy Rain and, and some of these other folks in the in the past. But to come a little bit to their defense here, uh, you know, uh, to me, the decision uh, of the jury and the decision of these people was more based on what Mike Hubbard did, and I think that's what the law is more concerned is with is is how our elected officials are. Uh, are, are, are accepting money from people here. You know, I, right. I don't I don't necessarily expect a, a, a some you know CEO or some executive at a company to uh, to know the, the individual laws on providing. You know, if you're if your friend or your longtime business associate or whoever gets elected to office and then they come to you for a hundred thousand dollar loan, uh, you know that that's probably going to get you a little influence with those folks down the road. Uh, but I don't expect a business guy necessarily to know that law. I do expect the guy who's the Speaker of the House or the elected official to know that law because they've been through all the ethics courses and they've sworn to uphold the, these laws and these rules, especially the ones that they write themselves. Uh, yes, so, okay. you know, right by them. Yeah, I just don't understand why this is why why that was such a big deal for for those guys and and, and to seem as though they were tainted by this because I think they they did feel that. Well, and the thing is, they were never indicted. They no. could have been indicted under the strict code, but they were not. And again, I've always said we all should wish we had friends like Jimmy Ray. 
And he has done a lot for our state. Yes. He has been a, a, a good citizen for our state. But we've got about 15 seconds. The wrap-up of this is the Supreme Court, after a year, has finally ruled Mike Hubbard will be going to jail. When that is, <clears throat> is unclear because there are other steps in this process. We'll get back to that next week when we have some more legal information on this. You're watching The Feed, the voice of Alabama politics. When we come back, more look at COVID-19. for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The Bean the voice of Alabama politics. Today, I'm joined by Josh Moon and Susan Briggs. There has been very little good news on what is happening in our state with COVID-19. Uh, we now have approximately 3,000 reported cases. Uh, we've had a, a high day of cases reported of over 300 in one day. There's been about 21,000 tests and uh, approaching 80 deaths that have been reported. Mm -hmm. Now, confirmed. That confirmed. There may be more. There probably are. There are probably more people. Uh, it, Josh, it looks like to me that New York is, New York State is experiencing some level of, 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 of not normalcy, but they're, the, they are leveling off. You know, yes. while there's plenty of people dying, there aren't as many people coming to the hospital. 
as best we can tell from our health professionals, we have not reached that level yet. We are looking at a peak sometime in the next week or two. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people have, uh, you know, look at Alabama's numbers and, and talk about them, uh, you know, and uh, it, it, to me, it's, if you look at them, the the limited amount of testing we've we've done here, uh, you know, and we found out yesterday it's because the feds were stealing the test, but uh, but that uh, you know the the limited amount of testing that we've done, I don't know how much uh, how much stock you can really put in those numbers. You know, uh, I think the the bigger numbers are are the hospitalization numbers that we see uh, out there that they're continuing to climb. Uh, you know, I did I did hear that uh, the 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 director of the Huntsville Hospital uh, Association up here uh, said that they felt like if things continued on the trend that they're on, that they would be okay uh, in terms of equipment and personnel uh, and supplies, which is good news for them. Uh, but I think some other systems are pretty well overwhelmed. Uh, UAB being one, I think the Montgomery system, if everybody told the truth, is, is kind of uh, at the point of, of right at being overwhelmed. Uh, and some other places, uh, Tuscaloosa comes to mind as well, but, uh, and Auburn and uh, East Alabama Medical Center. So, you know, I, I don't know how much stock you can kind of really put into our numbers. They seem relatively low, uh, you know, compared to some other states, but then you look at the amount of right. tests we've done, and, and, and I think you, you, you look at that and think, well, hell, I, I don't know about that. Well, we, we got a late start because people believe falsely that there were no COVID-19 cases in the state. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we, we learned that tests that we were supposed to get or supplies to do tests were actually hijacked by the federal government. Right. Yeah. We found out this week that they were actually, you know, we thought we were getting tests in, when we thought we were getting equipment in, they were ordered. The delivery date had already been set. And then all of a sudden, the supplier would call the state and say, oh, I'm sorry but we're going to have to ship that somewhere else. And that was all we found out at the hands of Homeland Security. Well, and that's, that's been one of the problems because Alabama's competing for resources with the federal government and with every other state. And mm-hmm. we got started late testing. But this, as Dr. Harris said, Dr. Scott Harris, the health officer for Alabama, he admitted the other day that one of the reasons we got late testing is because we didn't have all the supplies that we were promised from the federal government. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one wanted to say anything because they didn't want to make President Trump mad and then have him withhold everything. So yeah. it, it started off. It started off with a test. Now it went on to PPEs and other equipment as well, yeah. including parts for ventilators right. that we have capacity to make here in Alabama. But the thing yeah. is, and Josh, that uh, this idea of every state for themselves has left every state wanting what they should be able to share according to their their need, and that's yeah, just the, the 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 whole thing has uh, has exposed a level of incompetence at both the state and federal level that is pretty staggering. Uh, I mean, and and really, the every state for themselves thing is a ploy that came after Trump had had lost the control of this whole situation. You know, he spent weeks weeks telling people that this was no big deal, that this was going it was going to be one day it's just going to disappear. Uh, you know, this nonsense. And uh, and it was hopelessly behind. And so instead of taking responsibility, which he has famously said he does not do at all, uh, he just shifted the blame off to states to say, well, these states didn't do a good job. And now everybody's out here fighting for themselves. But if, if there's somebody in charge of this thing, and I, and I think 
you know, I don't, I hate to credit Mike Pence for anything, uh, the handmade star that he is, but, uh, he's tried to delegate in some way resources out to these different States, uh, that need them most. Uh, and I think he's run into some problems from his boss, but it's been a, a complete disaster. Uh, all over the place here uh, and whatever gets done and whatever states have success is because they've, they've been able to do it themselves. And in the state of Alabama, whatever success we've had, it's because the mayors have stepped up and been able to do it themselves, despite the fact that, that Kay Ivey has gone absent most days. And despite the fact that Steve Marshall has effectively been fighting against the mayors to help, to, you know, to, to stop the spread of this thing. It's a, it's been a comedy of errors, and it, it really, some people ought to look back at this thing and, and ask exactly where the hell their government is and who they're elected. I don't think Josh is a big fan of our elected officials. I, I would think not. I'm not. <laughs> some of them. You know, and, and we've heard this from a lot of healthcare professionals as yeah. well. I, I think all governments stumble when they come out of the block. We certainly, here in Alabama, stumbled. I do think that now they have gotten a much better handle on this than I might have expected in the initial days. I know uh, that. No, no, they're still not any better. I mean, it's still, I, I, listen, I understand what you're saying, that they're trying. And there are a lot of people that are trying. But they were put behind the eight ball to, from the beginning here with underfunding and, and under-resources, uh, under-resourced uh, offices that were there from the beginning uh, for the last 10 years. And you had people resistant to doing the right thing all along. And these people, I, look, I know what you're saying. There have been some people who've stepped up. There have been a lot of people who've stepped up. You know what? Well, Will Ainsworth came out. When you've got your lieutenant governor of the same party coming out and saying, hey, man, we're, we're really screwing this thing up, then you've got a serious issue here. And I think that's exactly what they've got is a serious issue. Well, with 15 seconds left, we can probably just sit back and let Josh finish it out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. This got under my skin. This got under my skin bad. Good yeah. news is the payments to unemployment, about some 60,000 people started getting their checks. They started delivering them this week. All right, we'll be right back with some more news on the coronavirus. And uh, you're watching The Voice of Alabama Politics. Please stay with us. a great opportunity for your success. Adding half a million highly skilled employees to our workforce by 2025 is how we stay ahead in Alabama. Our economy is stronger than it's been in years, and a skilled workforce is more important than ever. Things move fast, so choose your path. Your success is waiting, plus a great future for Alabama. Success Plus. Go for it. What are you doing today, babe? I thought I'd head down the lake with the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seatbelts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. With coronavirus spreading, People at higher risk must take extra precautions. You are at higher risk if you're over 65, 
or if you have an underlying medical condition like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, stay six feet or two arm lengths away from others. Better yet, stay home if you can. The choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. One of the most disturbing things that we've heard in the last few days is we talked to some emergency room doctors, workers, who let us know that their pay is being cut. Now, these are ER doctors that are on the front lines working three, I mean, four and five day shifts to protect the citizens of Alabama and mainly care for COVID-19 victims. Mm -hmm. They're cutting their pay, Susan. Some hospitals are cutting the pay. Yeah, they're cutting the pay of the workers. Meanwhile, now there's one exception. ER docs. ER docs, and they're trying to go after nurses. That would be a little tougher. But uh, before they ever consider the executives in the hospital cutting their pay, that's what's mostly disturbing. But you've got... In many other states where the executives of the hospitals first took a hit. Now, this yep. is because they're not doing elective yep. surgeries, and that's what, where all the meat and potatoes are, and we all understand that. But for Pete's sake, the ER doctors? Well, after we reported this story, uh, East Alabama Medical Center, which is in uh, Tuscaloosa. No, it's in Auburn. Opelika, excuse me. They did announce that they were first cutting their leadership salaries temporarily to get through this and put that money toward the frontline folks. But the reason is, Josh, and you know this, these hospitals have been in bad shape all along. They, they run very tight margins. And one of the reasons for that is because the state has refused to expand Medicaid mm-hmm. under the Affordable Care Act. And this is one of the reasons why our hospitals are in such tough decisions. I don't think I'm going to have to give you a nod to go ahead with that one. <laughs> no, it's a, look, it's, it's a travesty. It's a, it's a travesty. I mean, it, it has been a travesty from the beginning of this. Uh, it's, it's a joke that we haven't done it. And, and the only reason that we haven't done it is purely political. There is no common sense reason that anyone can cite ever in this for not expanding Medicaid. You can't cite money. You can't cite better health care. You can't cite better doctors and, and nurses getting better pay. You can't cite any of this. There's no there's no reason for this not to happen. The only thing they've ever came up with is this excuse about money, which is nonsense. They would make so much more money on the backside of it. It is a political issue. It had the former president's name attached to it, and that's the only reason that they didn't do this. All right, They've tried every way in the world to go around about it, uh, to do the same thing without doing it, uh, and they haven't been able to figure out how to do it. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous that we haven't done it. We've lost 14 hospitals over the course of the last 10 years. And, you know, right now we can really use a lot of those things. And you've got hospitals out here, big hospitals, that are going to be in the red uh, very soon because our healthcare system sucks. And it, it's gonna it, look, it's just a fact of life at this point. And we can we can do something about it or we can sit here and, and pretend that it's a democratic issue and we don't care. Well, it, it's a people issue at this point. And if anything... If the crisis has exposed anything, and it's exposed a lot, is that there is such a hole in our 
healthcare system. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't have good hospitals. It's not that we don't have good doctors. It's that they are underfunded and they have to rely on elective surgeries, elective procedures, Mm -hmm. all these things so that when it comes time for a crisis, there's no money because they're not being able to do that. And some of the rural hospitals that are still open do not have the capability to handle something like this or having to send their patients to the larger hospital. When that, why is there not a ventilator ever at a small rural hospital? Yeah, that's ridiculous. You you said something there that was that has been a theme through this whole thing: underfunded and and understaffed. All right, the hospitals are underfunded and understaffed. The Department of Labor is underfunded and understaffed. Uh, You know, uh, (laughs) the health department underfunded and understaffed. Where? Who's getting the funds? We seem to have plenty to send to 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 major corporations to relocate here. So. Maybe we should shift some to actual people. I don't know. Well, I think the thing is, and this is a red state, and many of our viewers are Republicans who believe this. So they don't care about people? That's what well, I, mean. I think that's the question. That's necessarily true, but I think this may bring it home that we have to, I mean, when people talk to me about big business or business and all that, I'm like, well, you know, without people, your business doesn't matter. You exactly. know what I mean? It, it, you, we have to look out for people, and that is part of our problem, is that we have tried to take government and shrink it to a size that you can drown it in a bathtub, as they say. And what happens is when it's that small, it cannot respond to a crisis this big. Yeah. But I want to move on here. Uh, <clears throat> we've got about a minute. I was going to get into how Jeff Sessions, former uh, Trump, AG and former senators politicizing this whole thing, but I don't. We don't have enough time to get into how he's doing it. But I mean, he's going out here and talking about China this, China that. Let's blame somebody. Tommy Tuberville, who's running against him in the Republican primary, said, "Look, we got bigger things to worry about than who you want to blame, Jeff." I mean, what kind of leader is it who spends his time out here yakking about China when the problem is here? I mean, it's just an idiotic thing to do. And it's pandering to the same base that, that has gotten us into this problem before. To heck with who, where it started. It doesn't matter if it started in 10 too. It's here. Address the problem now. I wish you'd just shut up. I really do. We got about 59 seconds. So I want to talk about some. My ranchers today. What yeah, can I yeah, say? Yeah. Well, Josh brings up. That <laughs> hey, there are, and speaking of business, listen, the businesses in Alabama have stepped up. They're being good corporate citizens. I mean, Hyundai, Honda, Mercedes, <clears throat> all of these big companies, Alabama Power, all doing great work. I do want to mention the organizations that are doing stuff on the business side to help businesses and individuals. Uh, the Business Council of Alabama, Alabama Works. And manufacturer Alabama are doing everything they can for not only people that are unemployed and looking for jobs, but for these businesses that can retool and help our our company. Exactly. And a good place you can go find out a lot of this information and what businesses across the state are doing. And what you can do to help is go to altogetheralabama.org. There is a huge resource for the unemployed, for the people that want to volunteer to help. For you know, disenfranchised businesses, it's just—it's yeah. really okay. fantastic. We're gonna have to leave it right there. Stay strong, have courage, and have hope. 
You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us, because we watch them.